You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Florida State fans around the country, we have, this is Matt Minnick with Michael Robner, and, and we officially now are, are doing a podcast on a real winning streak. Not a one-game winning streak, not even a two-game winning streak, but a three-game winning streak. Michael, uh, my wife made a really nice play to Crow last night. I said there was no chance that we could beat Notre Dame. And, and the guys came out, I mean, you know, they, they listen to this. I know they have it on their, uh, on their uh, playlists and stuff uh, when they're, when they're warming up. So they, they proved me, I think you wrong as well on that one came out and, and beat a, an NCAA tournament, Notre Dame squad, and then came out and did the more expected uh, and, and kind of dominated NC state for most of the afternoon on senior day, Leonard Hamilton teams, rarely lose on senior day. Uh, but how did what do you think of the week, man? What, how nice was it to get a couple of wins this week? It was great. I, I was happy with a one game winning streak. And so three is, is three times as good. Now we just need a seven game winning streak, which I don't think we've had an ACC play in a few years And this team, you know, why, why not? Why not this team? These guys can do, can get it done. Surely. Well, last year, I don't even know if we played seven games in a row with all the COVIDs and stuff. Uh, but uh, no, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the ACC tournament here in, in a second. Uh, let's let's get to that. Let's go back, though. Um, so we played we played a, a Notre Dame squad led by Mike Bray, who has typically played us well. They, they all, all a lot of the games seem to end up close. And yet Notre Dame has never won in Tallahassee and that that streak stayed intact uh, the the betters who go off of those 
things that matter, you know, events that happened 40 years ago or, or four years ago, um, that that streak stayed intact. Well, I don't know, was was it just Florida State shot well at home for the first time really all season and maybe the Lipscomb game, but that that certainly was part of it. And then we also got Anthony Polite back. And boy, does it make a difference to have your best perimeter defender and, and a calm, steady senior presence out there at guard. Yeah, and he actually got something done on offense, which, you know, you don't really expect after, after a long layoff. But he, yeah, he looked good, even with a, with, with a cast on his hand. Um, we, we, we had mentioned that Notre Dame was going to blow the doors off Florida State. And the only way that Florida State had a chance to win is if Notre Dame shot the ball poorly. And sure enough, they were 5 of 19 from deep, which is fantastic. Prentice Hub was 1 of 6, whereas, you know, John Butler on our side was, was 4 of 5. Um, and we shot, you know, 41% in that game from deep and, and Hey, that's, that's how you went in the tuck. That's how we used to do it anyway, is, you know, get enough done defensively. And then, you know, we were a much better shooting team at home traditionally. And, you know, that all kind of, kind of went out the window this year, but yeah, it was nice, it was nice to win. Always nice to beat Mike Bray. He's been around the ACC for about as long as anybody. So. Yeah. Um, Florida State, and, and they started really hot in that game. Uh, Florida State started, I, I want to say, five for five from three in that, which, I, I, listen, I understand that all points, you know, they all count, right? But it is for a team that for a long time has been playing this season with maybe uh, lacking in confidence, it just it's hard to, from game to game, have a different starting lineup every single time. Which, by the way, Matthew Cleveland didn't even play in the Notre Dame game because he was sick. So once again, they were kind of, you get one guy back, you have another guy go out uh, to have a, to have a game start where you're five for five for three, I think really gave a jolt to the crowd that was there, gave a jolt to the players of like, oh, Hey, we're, we're here, we're doing this thing and, and we can, we can do it. Notre Dame did what college basketball teams do, which is make a run of their own and kind of came back and actually took a lead going into halftime. But it was clear at that point that this was going to be a back and forth ball game and not, and not one of those ones where, you know, the better team just was able to establish the early momentum and run away with it. And, and polite, you mentioned doing some things offensively. Well, polite had the big three point shot late in the game to put FSU up four. Uh, I think Notre Dame made a bucket after that, but that was a, that was a big shot. And then of course, and then Raekwon Evans, who's been clutch all season long, He's morphed into our, our version of Michael Snare, hit two free throws again to kind of seal the win, uh, as, as he has done a number of times. Uh, any, anything else that you'd feel like talking on in that Notre Dame game? Yeah, how about Raekwon Evans? I mean, he's, he's, he has, he's definitely been Snare. And uh, uh, what was it, Ian Miller? You know, he was kind of clutched mm-hmm. down those. Mm-hmm. So, and Raekwon's Ray in that conversation now, but there was that stretch in the second half of the Notre Dame game. I think we were up seven, and then we went seven or eight possessions without scoring. And, and Notre Dame was able to, to not take the lead, which I thought was really that's huge um, a, a big sign because, you know, as we've seen with past Florida State teams, you know, you, you don't want to let the other team take the lead in the second half. And so once we, t- once we took the lead, I think it was 50 to 50 to 48. I don't, I don't think that they, that they led for the rest of the game. So, yeah. Uh, you know, Florida and that, State ended and that, up leading about 20 minutes, 20 or 25 minutes of the game, actually. They led yeah, more it was than about, they trailed. Yeah. It was about 50, 50, 15 minutes in, in the second half. So, so yeah, that was, that was fantastic to see. It was 
uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to call every win a good old fashioned Florida state win, but that, that seemed to be the fit the fit the mold against Notre Dame. That definitely fit the mold. And you're right. We've talked about, I mean, it's sort of one of those like, yeah, no shit statements. You, it, if you're going to win the game, you better take the lead at some point. But I think, I think the, the essence of that statement is that look, when, when there's seven, eight minutes to go in the game and that team is, is get basketball's a game of runs. And when that team is making their run, if, if they can actually get over the hump and take the lead, uh, even if it get, then becomes back and forth, that is just so much of a different feeling uh, and, and different type of pressure in terms of how you have to execute on the next trip down versus if they never can quite get over that one to two point deficit. And you always are playing where you're on offense with a one or two possession lead that just that really changes things. And, and Florida state was able to maintain that one to two possession lead for most of the final final minutes. And, and they were able to get it done. I, it was, a I think a seed damaging loss for, for Mike Bray's team. I don't know that it actually is going to knock them all the way out of the NCAA tournament, unless maybe they were to lose their first ACC tournament game. I don't know, but I think they're probably on the safe side and, and, uh, and, you know, they, they're one of the teams in the AC tournament we'll, we'll touch on again, that gets a double buy and having, so now Florida state uh, beat Virginia or no, excuse me. They swept Miami. They beat Notre Dame in the only matchup and they split with Duke. Uh, so, and then lost to UNC. So Florida state, I think is four and two against the uh, top four seeds in the ACC tournament, which is kind of odd for the team that is uh, not going to make the NCAA tournament to be four and two against the four best teams in the conference, but such is life when you're playing with your B team for half the season. Yeah. The inconsistencies caused by the injuries, but you know, what are you going to do? The the last thought on the Notre Dame game, I think, which will come up with, with the, the Syracuse talk is that, you know, Ham kind of hinted at it after after the after the game. He didn't really go into details, but you know, one of the most common plays in college basketball these days is kind of like the double drive and kick. So you drive and kick, and then the guy instead of shooting, he drives again um, and kicks, and it's you know just causes all kinds of defensive breakdowns. And and Florida State was did a much better job recovering on those on that play in the second half, which is basically what Notre Dame runs on every possession, um, especially against Florida State, who takes away you know they kind of force you to, you know, play these one-on-one one games. And, and it was, so it was good to see the young guys kind of responding a little bit and, and to the teaching and, and learning how to stop some of these, uh, you know, more common plays. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think again, having polite, polite had to be a big factor in that, in the, in the second half mm-hmm. there, having, yeah. having a senior who's played Notre Dame quite a few times uh, and, and able to make those kind of adjustments on the fly like that. Um, was, was huge. Uh, last thing I'll say, man, Blake Wesley, huh? For, for Notre <laughs> Dame. Whew. Uh, there's sometimes when you can just tell that you can just tell when an NBA guy is on the court versus, um, a bunch of guys who maybe want to be in the NBA. And I think there's, you know, Florida state's got a few guys on their team who could play in the NBA later, later in their careers, if they do the things that are necessary, such as add strength or listen to coaches that are, that are uh, helping them learn how to shoot. But um, the Blake Wesley is an NBA player right now. And I really hope that, that he understands that he can be a lotto pick and, and should go be a lotto pick and that we don't face him in the ACC again next year because he 
is a handful. Yeah, if he gets better, if he, especially from from distance, you know, if he's, yeah, I mean, he's solid this year, like 32, 33%. But if he if he gets better next year, then he's unguardable. And you know, Notre Dame, you know, couple that with they they've got kind of an old team, you know, so that that they're gonna, if he were to come back, he would be surrounded by basically four other seniors, um, and he would be a sophomore, and and it would just they could be really good next year. Well, and he's back. six, five. I mean, jeez, yeah. that, that guy belongs at big yard. You, if we're being honest, like, I mean, this, this guy has positional size. He's got the explosiveness. He's enough of a threat from three right now to make you respect it. Uh, he, what was he from the free throw? I mean, he's anyway, he, he's, he's got, he's got a, a total game right now. And, and I hope, I hope that he hears his name called in June and that we, we don't <laughs> hear his name called next year in the league. Uh, all right, we'll go over to the NC State game. Florida State had already beaten NC State in Raleigh this year, back when the teams both had a bit more health. As a matter of fact, that was the game that sort of saw Florida State's injury bug first happen. That was when Malik Osborne first kind of got his uh, hurt foot. Uh, and so NC State, quite honestly, looked like a team who over the last few weeks looked like they'd quit. I think Wake beat them by 30 earlier in the week or maybe even more than that. So it was, it would have been pretty disappointing for a program that hadn't lost since 2014 on the senior day to come out and not be able to handle an NC State uh, team, especially when you factor in that Caleb Mills came back. So now this is another guy that has been hurt for a while. All of a sudden, Florida State is starting to look a little bit healthier, although it was difficult seeing Cameron Fletcher go out for the season with a thumb injury. Caleb Mills from North Carolina came out and kind of like polite in the per- in the previous game, he didn't miss a beat offensively uh, six for six. I think he started the game and, and really was a big part of Florida state being able to kind of just outrace NC state uh, for much of the game and, and, you know, keep that eight to 10 point lead for, for throughout the second half. Yeah, it was good to see him back. And we've kind of had the subtext of, of coachability in the background of the last few pods. And it's, it seems like Caleb is one of these guys who, who really listens to the coaches. He's, his demeanor on the court never changes. You know, he's kind of already got that ham demeanor, which is which is what you want to see out of the players. I mean, sure, you want to see him get excited once in a while, but he's just he's calm. He's, you know, he if if anybody's going to come back from a long layoff and and you know score nineteen points with on like eight shots or whatever, then you know he's probably that guy. Uh, for NC State, they stink. Um, it was it was kind of the kind of win though that. You don't you don't want to write it off just because they're terrible. You know, it's you want to see a team like Florida State go out and just have a comfortable win. And and that's exactly what happened. And it, all wins are good for confidence. And those one point wins that we've been been uh, uh, so good at this year also come with a lot of stress. And so this was just kind of that that stress free win on senior night. Everybody got to celebrate and. And it was exactly the kind of uh, ending to the regular season that I think Florida State needed. Yeah, it was. And, you know, NC State, I've I've actually said this a lot about NC State over the years. They have a couple of individual talents. Darion Sebron, uh, there was a couple scouts there watching him specifically play. You know, he's a he's a six, seven, six, 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 seven kind of wing who can get to the free throw. I mean, he certainly got to the free throw line against us can make shots all over the court. He honestly looked like he's worn down a bit at the end of this year. He's had to carry that team a lot. I I think he is a pro. I I think he's a pro next year. I I, given just 
it, it already looks to me like he kind of wishes he already were like the season was yeah. over and that he, and that he was already a pro Traquavion Smith is also just a straight up dude. I mean, another big guard, six, three, six, four needs to add weight, but no lacking in confidence can, can straight stroke it from deep. Uh, I mean, he, he is a kid that another kid that if he returns to, to Raleigh next year, really going to be a handful for a lot of folks. I mean, he played the full 42. So really impressed from him and then beyond that they, they they just don't have a lot and so you know even with as much injuries as fsu's had it was clear that we had a, a deeper and, and more talented overall roster but I, I do think it's worth calling out just a couple of um, note uh, spots here how about you know we talked about raekwon against notre dame with the clutch points how about raekwon smashing his previous career high of seven assists that he set in the two lane game, I believe. Uh, and, and he had 10 in this game against just two turnovers. Of course it helps when people uh, like Caleb Mills are going seven for eight and, and uh, you know, Wyatt Wilkes was made a couple shots and polite was three for uh, three for five from two and two for six from deep. So surely it helps to have guys make shots when you get an assist, but, or when you make a pass, but, I mean, 10 assists against two turnovers, that, that's some that's some playmaking there. And then not to be outdone, I mean, it's not the 10 number, but Jalen Worley really starting to flash some of those playmaking skills as well. He only played 17 minutes, but three assists, zero turnovers, two steals, uh, making plays at both ends of the court. It's really nice to see, you know, Raekwon coming into his own as he leaves and maybe Jalen starting to figure out what it means to lead the team uh, in Raekwon's absence. Yeah, and, and you know Raekwon is, is tough to compare against against for turnovers because he you know he's he's pre- he's pretty good with the ball, um, but so it's nice to see Worley come in and and put in some valuable minutes and and not turn the ball over. Uh, you know so that's a that's a tough thing to learn, especially, especially as a freshman. Um, but for sure, he's he's totally you know he's 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 shown moments you know throughout ACC play that he's a different player than he was at the beginning of the year, which is super encouraging. Um, you know, he seemed kind of, uh, you know, lost on both ends of the floor early on. And now he's, he's, you know, he's in the last, what is that? Five games. He's got nine steals, you know, and, and that's playing pretty limited minutes except for the Duke game. Uh, so he, you know, he, he's kind of showing his ability to be, be disruptive. He's actually, blocking some shots as well. He's got four of those in the last few games, you know, so he's, he's kind of getting it done on both ends of the floor. And I had really high expectations. If you remember back to the end of last year's pods about Worley. And, and uh, so I was, I was not particularly thrilled with his early part of the season, but I think he's showing, you know, in, in, in this latter half, how valuable he's going to be moving forward, assuming he's, you know, back on the team, which is, you never know these days. You do never know these days. And and, th- and that's not a knock on Jalen or anybody else. I mean, there's a thousand transfers a year. You just legitimately don't know these days. I, I really hope Jalen uh, is enjoying this wonderful spring weather we've been having in Tallahassee, Michael. I mean, it's been sunny and in the seventies and uh, you know, beautiful time to be out on campus and enjoying the sights and scenery. And, and it really could be a lot worse if you're looking up at weather forecasts in Michigan or, or Pennsylvania or Virginia or all these places in the Midwest and Northeast, they are not experiencing sun in the 75, 76 degrees. Uh, But it, it, so I hope he's enjoying his time here and, 
his game really has started to, to show like, Hey, this could be, you could be, I don't want to say given the keys to the car next year, because there's not going to be anybody that's playing 40 minutes a game, but you, you start to look at the percentage of minutes that he's played in, in his freshman year. And look, he's played more minutes than MJ Walker. He's played more minutes than Trent Forrest. And, and you can see that grow uh, into a sophomore year where all of a sudden, you know, get a little bit more confident with the three, those assist numbers go from maybe uh, three or four a game to five or six a game. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, he's already the, the, he leads the ACC in conference play only in steal rates. I mean, that he, he is disruptive on defense. Wait till he actually figures out the defense. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking to go back to your weather question. I just, I checked the Philadelphia weather just to see how, uh, how Jalen's family's doing, and it's actually it's 77 tomorrow, but but rainy and windy, and then on Wednesday it's going to snow. So it's, you know we are not having snow here on yeah. Wednesday. I can tell you that yeah. it is not snow. Tallahassee. But yeah, he's he. I, I think that if he does come back, he's kind of got the keys to the to the caddy at this point. Um, Chandler Jackson is, you know, coming in and is obviously very highly rated. But you know, when Chandler Jackson came in, the thing that 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 kind of sealed his recruitment was sitting down with a film session for, with coach Jones. And they, they didn't show him Trent Forrest film. They didn't show him XRM or, you know, any of those guys, they showed him, they showed him film with Terrence Mann. And so they clearly have a kind of a different vision for, you know, how he can be valuable on the court. And I think, I think that, you know, Worley will, will, will play plenty of minutes next year, um, you know, given the opportunity. And I want to, let's, one second, I want to give a shout out to Harrison Prieto, for who's it was his senior day as well. And, and he, you know, he has been asked this year to um, really step into a hard spot, right? Like, you're not even sure that you're going to play a ton. And all of a sudden, all these injuries happen. And now not only are you being asked to play a ton, you're also teaching classes. You know, he's the weatherman. I'm sure if you've watched a game, you've heard about it. He's got this tough course load he's playing out of position sometimes he's playing against guys that are four or five inches taller uh maybe more explosive and and all he's done is what he's asked to do there's certainly been times where maybe he's been put on a poster because he's just had an athletic deficiency that you know against some of the guys in the acc and yet he's just come in done uh what he has been asked to do had several games where he's you know his pass against UVA was probably better than the Cleveland shot. I mean, that, that pass with a second to go was in the only spot where it could be. And, uh, and he came out against NC state on senior day. He played 17 minutes. Uh, he grabbed five boards. He made a three, he got in the paint for a couple of buckets and, and he really just, you know, you look up and there was never a moment where you think that guy doesn't belong on the court here on senior day. He, he had a really nice kind of midair kick out to Wyatt that Wyatt wasn't able to make the three, but just like the vision to be able to catch the ball, not even land and whip it over to Wyatt in the corner for an open three. I mean, he he's made a positive contribution and, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention Harrison Prieto on this uh, senior day podcast before maybe we do take a minute to look ahead to what some of the guys coming in next year could bring. Yeah, and I, th- I think we kind of forget a little bit about Prieto because he's played double digit minutes for you know ten or eleven games in a row now. You know, but he wasn't playing a ton. You know, when obviously when when we had more healthy guys, but through the first fifteen or sixteen games of the season, he played double digit minutes twice. Both were against Syracuse. And so our, our next matchup is on Wednesday against Syracuse. And so we certainly haven't seen the last of Prieto. He can, he can kind of be that, 
that guy that we're missing, which is the guy in the middle of the zone. I think him and Cleveland and, and Mills are probably the, the, you know, the three candidates. And so, you know, you're talking about the ACC tournament, a walk on being extremely valuable and advancing. It's, it's really incredible, incredible story. And, you know, it, it surely, totally goes to show his, his hard work, like you mentioned on and off the court. And, and I'm sure he's going to be uh, successful in whatever he ends up doing with the weather, which I don't think he's going to be like a weatherman on TV. You know, he's going to be more doing like the hard statistical stuff. So, mm-hmm. so good for him. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get to see him in, in more than one more game. Absolutely. So, so yeah, you mentioned, uh, and we'll get to, I think let's talk a little bit more about maybe the next year and then we'll get, we'll take a break and come back and then maybe talk about the Syracuse game that you just, uh, that you just talked, uh, mentioned. So Chandler Jackson coming in, uh, well, let me, let me back up actually. So we're losing, if, if you were at the game, aside from seeing uh, one of my favorite all-time players, Leroy Butler, honored at halftime, and, and thank God that guy's finally in the Hall of Fame because I, I have no, no idea what was taking so long. But uh, go, go Pat, go, and, and Leroy Butler being honored there. But if you were at the game, you also saw a bunch of people honored before the game, right? Raekwon Evans honored before the game, Anthony Polite, Tenor and Gom, Wyatt Wilkes, Justin Linder, uh, Harrison Prieto, and as we mentioned – uh, that, you know, you just never know in this day and age who might transfer, who might leave early. So we know that um, oh, Malik Osborne was also honored, you know, and I, hey, fingers crossed, maybe he decides he wants to stick around Tallahassee for one more year, but I wouldn't blame him if he wants to go get paid in Europe. Uh, so we're going to be losing, I'd say, a minimum of of five, six guys could even lose seven, eight guys. Uh, you know, you just don't know with, with this day and age. So while I think it's fair that I mean, we know that some people are going to come back, it's hard for someone like a Caleb Mills or a Cameron Fletcher to leave because they've already transferred once. So they'd have to go sit out. It seems less likely that they would leave, especially now that Fletcher's got the thumb injury. He's going to be rehabbing that. Um, so we're going to be getting some of these guys back. Hopefully Cleveland's and Butler's and Worley's come back, but there's going to a second year in a row, we're going to need to require some strong contributions from the guys coming in. And, and Michael, as I look around uh, at the same time yesterday as, as FSU's game, I see Chandler Jackson winning the state title. I see uh, Cameron Corin, who's playing on the best team in the best high school team in the country. Uh, I know that I don't think they're playing in the tournaments yet, but Tom House's squad, I don't know, they lost in two years. So I, I, I see that, Stan and Hamilton have assembled a, a crop of winners. Deontay Green's team before injury, I mean, he was leading them probably going to be a state title. So there's a, there's a winning, there's a bunch of guys who are used to winning coming in next year. Do, do you think that that helps them? I mean, are they able to bring that mentality and that kind of like grind and do what it takes uh, mindset to college? If you look at, at Stan's uh, uh, Twitter account and Coach Jones, if you're listening to this podcast, please unlock your account. Um, he's, I don't, I don't know why anybody does that, but anyway, uh, so nobody can retweet what he, what he constantly is tweeting, which is winners win. You know, so he's obviously thinking about, about uh, you know, guys who go on to be pros. You know, they do something in Europe, and Stan will retweet it, and, and you know, with the tag, winners win. 
And so I, I think that we talk a lot about translatable skills, most, most, mostly in the past few years when we've been talking about one and done guys. Um, you know, and shooting is something that, that translates across levels and rebounding is something that translates across levels. And, and one thing that kind of gets lost in that is that winning is also translates across levels. You know, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, house or, or Chandler Jackson coming in and, and the last time you lost was like some random, uh, AAU game between your junior and senior years, like you, you do not take losing lightly. And that that's a, a, a great skill to have because it keeps you focused. It keeps you, you know, working hard. It keeps you doing all the things that you need to do to be a, to be a good college player. And so if you have the choice on whether or not you got some guy coming in from a, from a, you know, 12 and 12 high school team or one that's coming in 27 and 0 state championship, it makes a big difference. And so it's great to see uh, the success that these guys are having at the high school level and they're going to show up at, at, at FSU expecting to win. It, it makes me think of the Terrence Mann, Trent Forrest class. Or was that no? Did Terrence come? Terrence came in with, uh, I think, the year before Trent. Yeah, Terrence was the Cabin Gully class, right? Yeah, yeah. He came in one year prior. But so class or no class, it makes me think of a roster that had guys like Terrence Mann, Trent Forrest. Uh, even Devin Vassell, who, who he wasn't a, it's not like he was at some big school in Atlanta, but he took his team into the playoffs winning. And, and those uh, Patrick Williams team had major success in the state playoffs uh, in North Carolina. And, and, and it makes me think of those rosters that these guys just understand the discipline, understand the day-to-day grind and the team mindset that it takes to really get a get a win and, and i'm just going to read to you this is the the headline in an article for the memphis commercial appeal right this is this is 20 hours ago we're legendary today chandler jackson leads christian brothers to first title since 1987 we're not talking about someone going into img academy or mount verde and teaming up with a bunch of superstars you know, Scotty and Cade that are on the same team together, two, two guys who are competing for NBA Rookie of the Year on the same team together. We're talking about a team, a, a school that hadn't won a state title, you know, in 35 years. And and this kid, along with his teammates, because nobody wins it in a vacuum, this kid's putting a team on his back and getting those guys in the gym to do what it takes to win the title. Uh, Tom House, he, he's – one of his good friends, Gabe Cups, who's a 2023 kid committed to Indiana already, point guard. Well, Gabe's dad is the coach, and all those guys do is the is the kind of stuff that that it takes to win. Reminds me of Terrence Mann, who's you know his mom was the coach there, right? And so these these guys coming in know what it takes to win, and, and I'm I'm excited to see that like kind of infusion into the culture. I, we know I mean culture is so such a big part of Florida State. I'm excited to see those those guys come in and put their mark on the, on the culture. Yeah, and Jackson broke a scoring record. I think that was for like 45 years old from his, his high school. So he is, you know, it's, 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 it's a different you know type of high school than a lot of the academies, as you mentioned, that the kids are going to these days. And, and it's, it's, it's refreshing to see. And he kind of comes in with, with the same, um, uh, 
you know, resume as Terrence Mann. Yeah. I mean, and as, as Trent Forrest, you know, Trent Forrest was a prolific scorer in high school. And so is Chandler Jackson. Jackson's a better shooter. Um, but, you know, it, it, I'm not saying that he has a higher ceiling than Forrest, but, but I think it, it's, it's a you know, very similar type player that Florida State is going to be getting. And it remains to be seen if he, you know, if he has Trent's intangibles. But if he does, then, you know, we're looking at another, at another NBA guy in a few years. Another NBA guy in another four years. I mean, there's a reason why Florida State's four years under Trent Forrest were all pretty successful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we're looking at another, another good four years. Let's take a quick break. And then, yeah, when we come back, great talk here about the future. But the future is now for the guys on Wednesday, and there's still a few games to be played, hopefully. So when we come back, we'll talk ACC tournament. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Uh, we just—it was great to close out the the season with some wins and a podcast where we get to talk about things that you know guys getting back healthy and coming back and playing. Good to see Caleb and Anthony back on the court. And there's some talent and winning mindsets coming into the program next year that is exciting as well. But before next year, there are still some games to be played left this year. Michael, we uh, we know that Florida State will be playing Syracuse in the first round or the second round of the ACC tournament. The, it's the we get a, a one game a one day bye, so we'll be playing Syracuse in the eight nine game. It'll be at noon on Wednesday, and the winner of that game will have you know I say the opportunity of facing one seed Duke, and and I say opportunity because chances are you're gonna have to play the one or the two seed at some point, anyways. And playing Duke when you've only when you're just on one day's game, you know, you've only played one game previously, uh, as opposed to maybe three or four games when you're tired Uh, and playing Duke where they've had a bit of a layoff and perhaps could come out rusty and, and they're not quite taking the game as seriously as they might take an ACC championship game. I don't know. Maybe there's actually an advantage there. Uh, But yeah, let's let's talk Syracuse first and then maybe we'll we'll talk Duke in a second. Florida State lost to Syracuse in the game in the game played in Tallahassee on a day when Florida State shot four for 30 from three, which I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen a worse shooting performance uh, from, from Florida State in Tallahassee. And then they went up and won in Syracuse on a day where they shot much better. Uh, and so the team split the regular season. It seems like Florida State maybe has a bit more momentum coming into the ACC tournament. But of course, uh, Syracuse doesn't want to give Jim Beheim his first losing record ever for a season at, uh, at Syracuse. So you got any thoughts on this one? Well, I'm happy Caleb Mills is back, assuming his injury really wasn't a big deal on, um, you know, against an NC state, he, he, you know, led Florida state in scoring in both of those Syracuse games, the win and the loss. And, uh, you know, Florida State really needs him for, for this game. This is, this is a game where, you know, post-play is not really at a, at a premium, at least, in, you know, on the offensive side. So that's probably why we'll see more of, of Prieto than, than maybe, you know, in gum. And 
uh, it, it, it really comes down to having those guys who can make shots. Syracuse, um, they give up more, sort of a weird stat, but more assists than any defense in the nation. And defense or assists are, are a, a measurement of style more than, you know, a measurement of efficiency. So they're, you know, you're scoring off of off of direct passes against Syracuse, and that usually comes at the at the foul line or or down, you know, in in, in the short corner. And so we we need those guys like Mills who are proficient in the mid range, and then only one team in the country gives up more three point point attempts than Syracuse. And if you look at that second game, you know, we did we didn't beat them by much, and we we made like forty five percent of our shots from deep. And so we're gonna we're gonna need. Probably another one of those games. I mean, who knows? Who knows how how these things play out? But we're probably going to have to knock down threes to 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 win this game and advance to face Duke. And there's going to be no shortage of opportunities, just considering the way that Syracuse plays defense. Yeah, I I would agree that I don't think I don't think we need to go 12 of 20 from three like we did in the first game. But we certainly need to make six or seven, not the first game, the second game, like we did in the win against uh, in New York. We certainly need to go to make six or seven. And it it would be nice to have Cameron Fletcher, not going to lie. He's he's become a pretty reliable three point shooter from the corner. Um, But, you know, just having Caleb back, having Raquan Evans, maybe playing his best basketball of the year, having John Butler currently riding a heater uh, from threes with the last few games, he's been able to get his three point percentage up to 40% over the last couple of games and, and polite back. I I think those are all positives to be able to knock down some shots, but I kind of am with you. I think Prieto, we saw him make some passes in the NC State and Notre Dame game. We've seen what he's capable of actually making shots from deep too. I mean, let's not forget that Harrison Prieto on the season is, is 10 for 21 from three. I mean, that's not super high volume, but he can certainly knock the shot down. So, um, yeah, I, I'd i love to see a game where we don't have Caleb or or Matthew Cleveland, maybe fall prayer or Raekwon fall prey to doing some of that over dribbling. They're not, they're not relying so much on their one-on-one skill making as they are just probing, reversing the ball, you know, and, and getting into the center of the zone and, and making that kick out to someone who's open for a corner three or maybe a short corner or, or a lob over the top. And I, I don't know. I think I like the chances. Let me ask you this though. Are you concerned that it's in, it's in Brooklyn? it's in the Barclays center. And we're kind of, I mean, I know that Syracuse maybe doesn't have quite the following in New York city that maybe they used to, but is that a concern at all? Well, it doesn't, doesn't really matter where we play. Syracuse is going to have more fans there. It's just kind of the way it is. Um, Syracuse is a big basketball school and, and their, their fans, you know, they typically travel. I don't know how much they're going to travel considering that, that Syracuse kind of stinks this year, but uh you know, I, I, I'm not too worried about it being being in the Barclays Center. I'm more worried about sight lines and, and making sure that our guys can knock down shots. Um, you know, the, the Bayheim brothers are, are you know, certainly going to be no shortage of jacking up shots from those guys. And and uh, Cole Swider has has you know shown recently that he can get, you know, cr- crazy hot from deep. I think he, he hit seven against North Carolina in that overtime loss. So, you know, they, they have some shooters probably better than our shooters, but, but, you know, it comes down to, you know, what happens in that 40 minutes and we just have to, you know, figure out a way to, to knock down shots. And if we're not making threes, the other ways, the other way that you can beat Syracuse is, is offensive rebounding, you know, so the, the, 
it'd be nice to have Malik Osborne, but we haven't had him for a while. But you know, some somebody in there is going to have to figure out a way to get offensive boards and offensive offensive putbacks, and maybe that's that's probably Cleveland. And you know, it would be awfully nice to have Fletcher in, in that area. I was going to say well, another but, place where Fletcher would come in handy. Yeah. But but we've seen Cleveland and and um, you know Evans be able to get in there and, and grab some boards too. Uh, Ho- Cleveland's going to have to step up and play a big game. He's going to have to. You know, if he gets the ball underneath or in the center of that zone, he's gonna have to make the right read or or finish the shot, uh, and not and not because if he's a fifty percent free throw shooter, so quite honestly, we need him finishing the shot and not just getting to the free throw line because it's a it's a 50-50 coin flip in the free throw line, and we need him pounding that both the offensive and defensive glass, which is gonna have to be huge with Cleveland pounding the board. We need him to have seven or eight rebounds. Um, you mentioned sight lines, and so this takes us maybe the next game. Syracuse and Florida State, neither one are going to play a game before that. And so both teams are going to be at best unfamiliar with, with uh, the Barclays sight lines, and maybe not, maybe neither team's played there in a couple of years. So uh, it, it could be brand new circumstances other than shoe around for Florida State and Syracuse. That will not be true the next game. Florida State will have just played a game in the Barclays Center. Their players will now be on day two of those sight lines. And Duke will be coming off of an emotional, uh, quite honestly, underwhelming performance against UNC at home in Coach K's last home game. And and so if we think, let's say that Florida State gets by Syracuse, is there a chance that a now, I mean, we're healthier than we were right now, knock on wood, than we were when we played Duke in Cameron and actually played Duke in Cameron pretty well for the first half. Is there a chance that we can knock off the Blue Devils for a second time this season? There's a chance. I don't think I'd like the chances, but but, but there's a chance. You know, they've they've got AJ Griffin playing at a really high level now, which which kind of changes the team. He's you know he's kind of Cameron Fletcher's size, and and uh, he's very skilled, almost fifty percent shooter from deep, and and. Uh, Mark Williams, you know, on the inside, like they've got some guys who are playing really well and, and, and uh, the, the rotation has been shortened down to like seven guys who are basically playing. And so if you got them coming off of a game, you know, where, where half their team just played, you know, 38 or 39 minutes, you might have a little bit of advantage, but, you know, right now, even with the loss to North Carolina, they are, they're playing pretty well. They are just madly inconsistent, um, so if you just got you just got to catch them on an off night, and maybe they're thinking about the NCAA tournament or the NBA draft or you know whatever it is more than the ACC tournament. And if I'm Duke, they play that 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 early season game every year against like Kentucky or Kansas, and they always do it in Madison Square Garden. Like, why did they not? Like, how did how did Coach Coach K not figure out a way to play that in the Barclays Center instead of instead of Madison Square Garden is kind of baffling to me, but. Yeah, so it's, so it'll be new to them and not new to us, which which give us a, a small advantage. Yeah, they they, I think that is a small advantage, and at least at least big enough to be noteworthy or mentioned. Here, here's another thing for you, Michael. In the last, uh, let me count it out here. In the last one, two, three, four, five, six games. Only one of them have they held an opponent below a point per possession. Now, now let me say that they're five and one in those six games. Uh, they beat Wake Forest 76 74 in a 71 possession game, beat us 88 to 70 in a 67 possession game, and a game that was closer in the first half, got away from Florida State. Uh, and that was when we had 
no of none of our five starters. Uh, they did hold Vir- no, excuse me. So 65, 61, uh, win over Virginia in a 59 possession game, uh, 97, 72 over Syracuse in a 61 possession game. They held Pittsburgh, maybe the worst team in the conference under a point possession, and then just gave up 94 yesterday, uh, in a 75 possession game to UNC. So, are we seeing signs of some freshmen wearing down of, of uh, they're not quite executing that defense at, at the level that it was maybe a month ago. Yeah. Even though they have NBA bodies, you know, Ben, Ben, Ben Caro and, and uh, you know, Trevor Keels, particularly they, you still, you're not used to playing this kind of a grind and you, you don't, you don't have to exert, even if you have played this many games in this many days, like at high school ever, you're, you're just not exerting anywhere near this kind of, this kind of energy. So, you know, maybe they are wearing down. Maybe they, maybe they've lost a little bit of focus because they're thinking about other things. You know, maybe the, the coach K farewell tour is, 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 is distracting, but there's, there's plenty of opportunities for distraction or tired legs. And, and uh, you know, that's good. The, the downside is, you know, we're basically playing like eight guys a game and we're still pressing and, and, you know, I don't. I don't think it's possible to get enough rest at this point for our guys to have you know really f- uh, fresh legs. And certainly coming off a a game against Syracuse, they're gonna you know where we're gonna have you know, guys playing heavy minutes. They're gonna be a little bit winded going into the Duke game. All right, so I'll make you a d- if if we do find a way to beat Duke, we will we will we'll hop on at some point, we, whatever we can. That would be Thursday, maybe a reaction pod and and preview who would whoever the next opponent would be as, as Florida state would at that point be in the ACC semifinals uh, of, of, or the ACC tournament semifinals. So uh, we will do that for now. Let's, let's stop it there. We won't preview whoever the next opponent might be. And we'll say, so maybe we, we aren't successful against Duke. Duke finds a way to get it done with a more talented and well-rested roster. Uh, And, and let's think about, does an 18 and 14 uh, Florida state team at that point make the NIT? Does this brand name get us in? Do we, are there other games that we need to be watching to see if, if, if you're interested in catching a couple of NIT games for Florida state this year? I think that Florida state's in now. I, I, it's, you know, it's tough. I'm not. What if they, what if they lose to Syracuse though? I think I think they're still in. I, there's there's one guy who does NIT bracketology that I know of, um, John Templin. He's he's longtime sports writer. He's really good, um, and he had Florida State as the five seed. That was before um, NC State game. So, you know, I don't know. I, th- I think the name recognition and the combination of understanding that Florida State has played so much of the season injured and is now getting some guys back. Uh, would would be enough to, to to get Florida State into the NIT? I think that they would be a, a you know a potentially a pretty big draw if you can get like you know Indiana, Florida State in the first round or something. You know that's gonna that's gonna it's gonna be a big draw for the NIT. Um, you know, or maybe a Florida Florida State rematch or you know some something along those lines. Uh, so I think I think name recognition is gonna matter certainly more than it would for like uh, you know. Uh, Missouri state or whatever. I mean, or Santa Clara. So we'll see. I, I will say that I'd like to think that the NCA committee doesn't rely too much on name recognition for, for the NCA tournament. I, I think it's, we're, 
being naive, we don't think that that doesn't play in a little bit. There's just too many times where it's like, oh, what do you know? Kentucky and Duke are on a path to meet in the in the <laughs> Elite Eight or something. But um, but I think that that all goes out the window for the NIT. And, and that, I mean, the NIT is essentially like a lower tier bowl game and purely exists for people to make money and for, I mean, there's no other stake. It's, it's nothing, there's no stakes involved. So um, I, th- I think that name recognition absolutely would play a role personally in the NIT. And I, and I, maybe you've convinced me, I, I kind of came into this think this conversation thinking we need to get one more just because you don't want to be 17 and 14, but we've certainly know the injuries I mean, people around the country know about them. And so you'd like to think that maybe even the NCAA tournament committee would, would factor that in. And, and frankly, if we were getting Malik Osborne back, maybe the NCAA tournament committee would factor that in. But it's hard to do that when some of the guys still aren't coming back. But I think that would play enough. I don't know that we would host a game. I don't know because, you know, there's a rule, Michael, that if you win your regular season conference championship, and are not you don't earn a berth the NCAA tournament. So either you don't win your conference tournament and, and you're not selected as an at-large. You're guaranteed one of the 32 spots in the NIT. And so far, you know, Murray State held, you know, held serve and they're going to the NCAA tournament for as to the racers. But there are definitely some teams out there that are going to probably lose in the conference semifinals or finals, and they'll probably end up getting, you know, maybe one, twos or three seeds in the NIT. So I, I don't know about Florida state hosting an NIT game, unless maybe they do beat Duke. And now all of a sudden you're talking about a team with 19 wins. Well, luckily for Duke, they, they, if Florida state knocks them off, they still get that automatic bid to the NIT. So they've got, hey, the, they've got the back. They, they could the have another home game for coach K. <laughs> That would be great. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, you know, it'd be nice if Florida State got to host a game. And and I know that fans don't take the NIT seriously, but 100 teams, you know, combined to make the NCAA and the NIT, which is, you know, like 30% of college basketball teams. And, you know, something like 60% of, of uh, football teams make bowl games. And so it's, 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 it's not like the fringe bowl game. You know, the NIT is, is, is much better than that. The team so is more are, like the peach bowl or something. It's more, yeah. It's more, I mean, the, the teams are good that are yeah. in, in the NIT. If, if you're making the postseason, you know, you're, you're a pretty good team. Um, so we'll see, but you know, obviously the, the route is for let's, let's just win four this week. And then we don't have to worry about the NIT. I, I agree totally with your last sentiment. Let's win four and, and go, go have some fun in, uh, in the real thing. Would you want the, do you, I mean, I know it's been a long year with the injuries. Our guys have certainly played, been forced to play some awkward situations in minutes and people who maybe didn't think they were going to play much have had to play a lot. I mean, is there a, is there a real positive to playing a game like maybe against Indiana and the NIT or, or going on the road somewhere and having, and having to do that in a, in a one and done tournament environment. If I'm Malik Osborne, I'm probably rooting for the team not to make the NIT, you know, because you got nothing to gain. You're not practicing. You're not, you know, you're not playing. You're just a cheerleader and and he's a, he's a great cheerleader, but, but I'm sure that gets old after a while. Um, but if you're, you know, Jalen Worley or Caleb Mills or, you know, whoever, then yeah, absolutely. You know, go, go play against a good team, you know, or a big program or in a, in a place you've never played before and you get extra practices, you get, you know, extra, extra game time reps, you know, you're, you're playing against, 
likely a team that has you know several blue chip prospects and so so it's 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 always a good opportunity to learn more and if that's what you're in college to do then then by all means you know keep the season going as long as you can yeah and and it maybe doesn't mean as much anymore with how much uh how many transfers happen every year and just how much turnover there is on on rosters these days but there's still something to be said too for building that culture of playing games in march and and you know the kind of preparation that you would do for an NIT game where you find out your opponent on a Sunday or a Monday, and and you have a couple of days to really get ready to go and play a game in in an environment that you're not familiar with. uh, If it's not a home game, that's the kind of preparation that one would need to do for the NCAA tournament. And, And if you lose your season's over, your season is done. So I I do think that, you know, a guy like Jalen Worley, a guy like Matthew Cleveland, a guy like John Butler, even Caleb Mills, and there, there's some real tangible game there to to understanding what it's like to play in mid-March with, with your season being over with a loss. Would I wish that would be happening in the NCAA tournament? Absolutely. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of teams this year that – that are Michigan's probably not, they may not make the NCAA tournament. Oregon's not going to make the NCAA tournament. Last year, Duke didn't make it. I mean, transition years happen, and this clearly was a transition year, but I think there's, there's a benefit to, to at least playing some sort of basketball in mid-March. Uh, so maybe, maybe we'll hop on, hop on together and do an NIT preview pod if, uh, if that ends up being the fate. But for now, we will – uh, watch the Syracuse game on Wednesday, hopefully an FSU Duke game on Thursday, and then see where the chips fall. Yeah, we've got the we've got the nooner in New York on Wednesday. So we'll see how many people are in the stands for the, the 9 a.m. or for you, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, um, I, I will have finished my coffee by then, but but I might still I might watch the game in my pajamas. You never know. Hey, I would encourage that. So <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a fun fun way to end the season with with some home. We got a, win, a home winning streak going into next year, and and uh, let's let's see what happens. You, you know, you know, there's been some crazier things than than a team. Look at the UConn, the UConn team with Kimba Walker. Kimba Walker happens to be a maybe a <laughs> Naismith Hall of Famer, but you never know what can happen in March when you get on a run and and go win three or four games in a row. Yeah, UCLA last year they were they were in the first four, right? And they they finished up in the final four. So. And and we've seen in mid major tournaments too. Every once in a while, a team that's mm-hmm. a seven or eight seed come out of nowhere, and and they're the bid stealer, right? They're the team that goes dancing in March. So you you never know. Uh, also, check out Cleveland State in their conference tournament this week if you are wanting to root for root for a former Knoll. There, Coach Dennis Gates has his team on the up and up, and I believe they are the one seed. So hopefully, uh, ten. Coach Gates's team can get it done in uh, in their conference tournament. Anything else, Michael? No, but if you can uh, watch Cleveland State and not have Trey Gomillion be your favorite NCAA player in in, in, bas- in all of basketball, then I uh, I got nothing for you. That guy, he's he is so much fun to watch with his big giant mullet. And, uh, he's 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 doing well for Cleveland State. So they 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 won their first game in the Horizon League tournament and. Uh, Hopefully we'll be dancing. The The fact that you can name a guy on Cleveland State's roster with a big mullet is just why I enjoy <laughs> having you as my as my podcast co-host. So uh, we, we, we will end it there. Uh, good, good as always. And, and hopefully we'll be back to be able to talk again after a couple of wins in the ACC tournament. All right. Go Knowles. Go Knowles.